Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Greg Peterson here, and welcome to the 271st episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where three days a week we work together educating and inspiring you to become part of your food revolution. Raising farm animals in your backyard is not just rewarding, it's actually easier than you think, especially if you have Kari Spencer to help you get prepared. On today's podcast, we have someone who has a solution to your plant questions. We're talking to returning guest Bridget Mars about identifying wild plants. Bridget is an herbalist and a nutritional consultant of natural health with almost 50 years of experience. She is also the author of more than a dozen books and DVDs. However, today we are most interested in her mobile app for wild plant reference called iPlant. Welcome back to the show today, Brigitte. It is my pleasure and honor, Greg. Thank you. Absolutely. So we had a great conversation with you in episode 261 of our podcast about natural first aid. And so we've invited you back because we really wanted to hear about your app, iPlant. So can you start by telling us what iPlant is? Surely. Well, iPlant is a phone app and at this point, it's just available for iPhones mm-hmm. and iPads, but they are working on an Android feature. But it came to be because I was hired by a couple of wonderful guys, Sean and Jeff. They are former Navy SEALs. They're Mormons, and they're into survival. I mean, wow. really. Yeah, and so we did a few herb walks a few summers ago, and they were, you know, very supportive of my work. And one of them was very techy, and one was very into marketing. And they said, let's do a phone app. So I really love this because, you know, when you're hiking, you probably don't want to carry around some heavy books. Right. <laughs> and, you know, they feel like this is really a great tool to identify plants that you might see in the wild. Not only to identify them, because there's wonderful pictures by a great herbal photographer named Martin Wall. But there's also information about, you know, is the plant edible? Is it medicinal? Is it safe to use during pregnancy? Can you use it if you have high blood pressure? 
so it really gives you everything that you need to know about a plant. And then there's all these really beautiful little YouTubes on, you know, how to make a tincture and what, how do you, you know, make some different herbal products. Uh-huh. So how does iPlant work? Well, it's a phone app. So uh-huh. let's say you have a plant and you're wondering, like, hmm, can I eat this? Should I pull this up? Like purslane, for example. Right. Purslane is such a wonderful plant, and people think it's a weed. But if you were to open up iPlant, you'd see a picture. Hmm, that really looks like purslane. You can make the picture bigger so you can look at the structure of the flowers and the leaves. You'll also get a great botanical description. But then it will go on to tell you, some of the uses of it. And uh-huh. you might say, wow, purslane was Gandhi's favorite food. Maybe I better not spray herbicides on it. <laughs> I could probably eat this. Wow, you can make gazpacho and salsa with it, uh-huh. freshing juices. So, you know, my intention is really to get people to respect the plants that are here, that were created for the benefit of the planet, for humanity, yeah. for the animals, for the insects, the birds. And rather than walking around this planet and thinking, oh, it's just a bunch of weeds, Really, I am the anti-herbicide queen. I, I, <laughs> as I was walking home today, I, the, the bank in my neighborhood was spraying pesticides, mm. and I went in there and said, I will never do business with this bank because you are spraying pesticides in our neighborhood, and the, herb, the weeds are not harmful, pesticides are. And yeah. the woman just kind of looked at me exacerbated. But yeah. I'm doing my part while I'm here on this planet, and iPlant was certainly a part of that. Yeah. So how do, if I have iPlant on my iPhone, how do I identify a plant? Is there a way that the, the app can interact with the plant to, you know, to tell me what it is? Well, the technology on this phone app, which I, I believe maybe costs two ninety nine, is not there. Like, take a picture of the plant, uh-huh. and it'll tell you. So it's, not, it's really not there yet. It's more like you could scroll through it and say, hmm, yellow flowers uh-huh. or, you know, purple flowers. But there's only about 200 plants, and they're, they're plants that are found all over mm-hmm. the United States, you know, not just, and some even in Europe. But they're common plants, so... It's more about scrolling through it and say, oh, purple flowers, maybe I'll look at that more closely. Got it. Now, there are apps that can tell you what the plant is, but they don't tell you the medicinal uses. Right. Right. Got it. So I, okay. I walk up to a plant, and I look mm-hmm. at the plant, and I have the app, and it's a, you know, it's a weed. What do the steps look like to, make, you know, to identify the plant? Just kind of scroll down, you know, because you can okay. look at all the pictures. And I always think that one of the easiest ways to identify plants is via the flowers. Oh, right. So, you know, people are always asking me, you know, can we do an herb walk in October or November? But it's like, then you may have leaves and by then probably browning curled up leaves. So during the flowering state is really the best to do your plant identifying. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. So can you kind of explore the reasons why knowing about plants in your area and is a positive thing? Well, we could look at so many reasons. First of all, when you start eating more wild plants in your area, Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a great way to help satisfy the desire to eat more locally. It still blows my mind that people will spray herbicides in their yard and then go to the store and buy commercial lettuce that was shipped in from another state. 
mm-hmm. and make salad when you probably have things that are healthier, fresher, and free in your yard. Yeah. And so my intention is really to wake people up to, if you would just learn the names of some of these plants, you would see that we are so rich. And, you know, I think all of us are looking for ways to build our health, mm-hmm. to save money, to be kinder to the environment. And eating more wild plants, I think, is really a great idea. Now, there also is on iPlant pictures of some of the poisonous plants. But mm. I think many of us have been conditioned to fear all plants. Right. Because maybe, one, you know, there's a few poisonous ones. You know, maybe like, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of them, but poison yeah. ivy, poison hemlock. But if you learn a few poisonous plants and identify those, um, and then you, you build... Actually, I certainly didn't learn all the plants that I know in one season. Right. It was learning them a little bit at a time. And there's also an art to identifying plants, you know, in what they look like in the early spring or oh, in, right. in the winter or the fall. So it is a work in progress to be able to, you know, constantly build your repertoire of what plants you can identify. But it could save your life. What if you were lost in the what if there was some earthly disaster, a hurricane, a tornado, mm-hmm. and people had to be evacuated? Would you be one of those people that's going to starve until Red Cross can get there? Or are you going to be one of those people that could be making you know, salad for your <laughs> tribe or your family yeah. in the meantime? And wild plants are very nourishing. They're survivors. They survive adversity. They grow despite... Um, nobody planting them except, mm-hmm. you know, nature. nature yep. And maybe they survive very little watering except what nature provides. They grow under adverse conditions such as frost and drought. So, you know, rather than regarding the dandelion as a, an enemy, it's really a very, very useful plant that could help to, you know, feed us and nurture us. And so I plant also tells you, well, what parts can you eat? And not only that, it also will tell you, is this a plant that maybe you could use as a shampoo or a conditioner or oh, a hair rinse right. or a bug repellent or a, a fiber plant? Is this something you could make rope or cordage or um, a sewing needle out of? So I also explore the other uses of the plants as well. And I feel that knowing the plants around you is being empowered. Rather than thinking all our food, it has to come from the store, it needs to have a barcode, directions, and a label. (laughs) We're not great. We all buy our share of that. But what if you knew that what you were spending your day in the hot sun weeding out Mm -hmm. was actually more nutritious than what you were trying to grow well, then you would really be a very healthy, conscious, and uh, uh, inspired human because I feel that when we eat things so fresh, they were just growing, yeah. it really makes you feel super energetic. And yeah. I feel like a superhuman most days, actually. <laughs> nice. Nice. And, you know, and these, these are weeds, and weeds are pioneer species. They show up first. They do the heavy digging for us. Now, you've mentioned two of them. You've mentioned purslane and dandelions. Can you call out a few other edible weeds that we might find in our yards? Well, an, another one that is actually a really disliked plant is stinging nettle. Oh, yes. And, of course, we dislike stinging nettle because it can sting you. It actually contains formic acid, which is found in red ant bites and in bee stings. Oh, wow. But if you, if you juice nettles, if you puree it, 
if you cook it, it totally loses its sting. So I actually blend nettles up in, you know, with a banana and an avocado and make mm-hmm. like a like a smoothie with it. I uh, if I'm making gluten-free pancakes, I'm going to blend nettles into there. Oh. So nettles is going to add chlorophyll and iron and protein. So nettles is definitely one to learn to use. It's such a great plant. Yeah. There's another herb called malva, M-A-L-V-A, oh, yes. malva, mm-hmm. and this grows as a yard weed everywhere and it's in the same family as cotton and hibiscus and okra and hollyhock and every part of this plant is useful my kids were little and they would you know give me or like maybe they've already watched their allotted hour of tv i would say i need you to go out into the yard and pick 57 malva uh, wheels the little seed capsules which Uh some people call cheese wheels and 104 malva flowers and 200 leaves and it would give them you know counting and plant identifying skills oh, right and you know it was also you know i feel really comfortable that if my kids were ever lost in the woods mm-hmm. they wouldn't starve to death they wouldn't eat so malva is totally beneficial there's no part of the plant yeah. that's poisonous however we need to keep in mind we want to avoid eating anything that's been sprayed within two years. So, you know, stop spraying your lawn and learn to eat it, and you'll see that (laughs) nature is rewarding you with plants that do not require as much water. I really have an issue that, you know, we spend a third of our nation's water supply to water grass, Grass. and yet hardly anybody's eating it unless you're a cow or a goat or maybe you occasionally drink a wheatgrass juice. I think most people are not getting it from their yard. Right, (laughs) yeah. Wow. And then plantain might be one other one. You know, plantain is a great first aid herb. Makes oh, a good right, heat. right, right. And and that's, you know, good for pulling infection out of the body. So I was going to ask you about lamb's quarters. Uh, well, you know, lamb's quarter is where it all started for me. Uh, in the early 70s, I was living on a commune in the Ozarks. Mm-hmm. And there was an old hillbilly woman that we used to go and help her and we would you know bring her firewood and she would give us a dozen eggs and she was very old she'd outlived three husbands mrs glore and i remember i was going to go help mrs glore and i started to pull weeds up out of her garden and she stopped me and says well well, that there's lamb's quarter it's wild spinach and it's good for you and i remember thinking oh my gosh we have so much of this in our garden and of course, one another advantage of the weeds is that they're up, if not a month to six weeks before the things you plant are exactly. up. Exactly. So while you're waiting for your own spinach, the lamb's quarter's already there, and it's free. And another thing about spinach, any gardener knows that as soon as it gets too hot, the lamb's quarter, I'm sorry, the bolts and goes to seed. Yep. But because lamb's quarter has this little whitish, powdery, a dusty color on it. That's why the Latin name is Kinopodium album. Kinopodium meaning goose's foot and album meaning white. That whitish coloring that looks like dust, it's actually beads of moisture that oh. helps to keep the plant cool. So lamb will out survive spinach. It'll be here a month before your spinach and mm-hmm. it'll be here maybe even till the fall. And then you can harvest the seeds because the lamb's quarter is a relative of quinoa and amaranth. Oh, and wow. Seeds. I didn't know that. So, 
So you could harvest the seeds and make a porridge. You could, you know, sprout them to have winter greens. Mm -hmm. You could grind them up and make a gruel. Or you could just add them to increase the protein content, just like amaranth or quinoa. Nice. Nice. I, you know, I, I specifically wanted to ask you about that from our last call even because that lamb's quarters is something that grows wild in my yard. And I know I've eaten it before, but I didn't make that connection between it and spinach. So it, it's really wild spinach, and it has saved civilizations from starvation. Uh-huh. And we also have to remember that every vegetable that we're buying at the store started out as a weed. I mean, it's not like, oh, oh right. here it we did. are. Yep. No, it all started as weeds, and then we hybridized them, which is not the same as GMO. You know, plants do naturally hybridize. The pink hibiscus will cross-pollinate with, you know, the white hibiscus, and then the next year you have light pink hibiscus. Or, you know, that, so GMO is different where you mix different species. Yeah. But definitely plant evolution is part of our history. And, you know, why buy spinach? <laughs> and everything's gotten more expensive, and we're oh, all yeah. talking about eat more locally so I really want people to wake up and see the bounty that is in their yard. And I also hope that people will respect water more and maybe think about having a basin of water that collects all that water that goes down the sink that doesn't have soap on it, water that you use to rinse a dish mm-hmm. or rinse an apple, and just open your front door and give it to <laughs> weed and yep. create Eden everywhere rather than looking for it. We, we need to be about... Uh, making the earth a better place. Right where we're at. And it starts right now, today, with us. Yeah. Yes, amen to that. So what's important to know before consuming any plant? Well, we want to make sure it hasn't been sprayed within two years, or at least Mm -hmm. that piece of land. It's best if plants are not uh, harvested within 50 feet of a busy road. Oh, right. you know, a, a busy road can mean different things. I live right downtown Boulder, and it's a street that doesn't go through, but there are cars parked on it. And, you know, a car might go by once or twice a day, once or twice an hour, but it's not a busy road. So I feel totally happy about that. You know, people are often worried about, like, oh, what if a dog peed on it? Does that make it poisonous? No, it doesn't. There's uh-huh. no guarantee that a dog did not pee on the kale that you bought organically right. at <laughs> Amazon Foods. So there's no guarantee, So, but you can wash that. So certainly we want sure that we're not collecting an endangered species. Mm-hmm, right. We want to be respectful of our neighbors. I think a lot of neighbors, if you went and knocked on their door and said, are you going to do anything with those dandelions or those violets? And then you reward them, you know, and bring them a little... Um, you know, dandelion flower wine or some uh, violet honey or an, a wild apple pie. Mm-hmm. And I think that learning about wild foods is a great way to create community. Yeah. So I'm all in favor of that. I'm trying to think of what the other things are. We want to make sure we're collecting the right part of a plant. Oh, yes. So, so for example, elder <clears throat> berries and elder flowers are wonderful medicinal and edible plants, but the leaves and the the roots are poisonous. So mm-hmm. that's another thing that I plant can do is tell you what part of the plant. And again, there are some herbs that are not suitable to use during pregnancy 
or with certain medication, like you're not supposed to use St. John's Ward if you're on antidepressants. So mm-hmm. that will be in the contraindications section. And, you know, of course, if you're allergic to something, um, like some people are sensitive to chamomile, then you should just, you know, be careful. Be don't careful. eat something yeah. topically or don't eat it if you're allergic. But so another advantage of eye plant is it lists the constituents. So if somebody said, I'm sensitive to tannins or I'm sensitive to um, anthraquinones or, or some chemical constituent, you can look on eye plant and it will tell you what some of the chemical compounds are that are in the plant. Got it. And so that kind of goes to my next question. That's how do we know if a plant is poisonous? Well, you know, there are poisonous plants and poison hemlock and water hemlock do look a lot like some of our wonderful medicinal plants, anise mm-hmm. and fennel and cow parsnip and dung kwai and osha. So it's really important when you're, you know, for example, many people in Colorado uh, go out in the fall and harvest osha, which is a wonderful plant for our lungs, for asthma, for emphysema, bronchitis, mm-hmm. et cetera, coughs. Um, but it looks a lot like poison hemlock. And so there are guidelines for OSHA. Does it smell like OSHA? Poison hemlock does not smell like that. Also, iPlant will tell you some of the other ways of identifying the plants, like poison hemlock often has red spots on the And it's good to look at the botanical description and really, you know, pay attention, like what are the leaves like? What is the structure of the seed? What is the structure of the flower? Yeah. And so if you're not sure... You know, bring iPlant with you, but you can also, you know, I don't think iPlant should be the only thing you rely on. You might want to, you know, bring someone who's a knowledgeable, you know, herbalist with mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. You might, um, you know, study ahead of time before you start ingesting things. I remember years ago when I was married, I collected some wild mushrooms and my husband at the time actually made, made me write up a will before I <laughs> ate the mushrooms. So... Anyway, so iPlant is not really a guide to mushrooms. Um, so, you know, they, there's a saying about mushrooms. There are old mushroom hunters and there are bold mushroom hunters, <laughs> but there are no bold, old mushroom hunters. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So what can we do? This is kind of a little off topic. What can we do to help others stop spraying pesticides that are killing our bees and polluting our planet? Well, that is a really big issue. So I think education is part of it. Yeah. You know, maybe think about giving an herb walk or gifting a neighbor with an herb walk. See if there's anyone in your area who's giving herb walks. I actually had a neighbor who was spraying pesticides, and I invited him to come on an herb walk, and he hasn't used them since. If you live in a homeowner's association or a neighborhood, maybe uh, get a petition going on and saying we would rather have a community garden. We would rather have a place where our children and our pets and ourselves can frolic barefoot without worrying about bringing this into the earth. And yesterday I saw a sign, you know, pesticides applied because in Boulder County, you have to put a sign up for 48 hours before and after. That was actually a bill that we got on the ballot and Uh people voted for it. And I encourage other people to get involved with city council But you may think about attending your homeowners' meetings and, you know, telling them that the whole idea of a manicured green lawn was something promoted in the late 1800s, 
And it's not really green thinking any longer. The spray pesticides do not just affect your yard. They affect the air and the water because when the rains come, all those pesticides go into the drain. So I'm also encouraging people to maybe write a letter up and then stick it in people's mailboxes or like I did today, go into that place of business say, I will not do business with you because you spray pesticides. And my, I have a daughter, Rainbow, who's a supermodel, and mm-hmm. she lives in Beverly Hills. And she had bees in her backyard, and a neighbor sprayed Roundup. Oh, my God. And it, it totally killed her beehive. The queen was dead. They were all dead. Mm. And so she actually went and knocked on every door in her neighborhood, in her gated community, and was really surprised to know that a lot of people did not know that the bees were dying. And dandelions are one of the first food for the bees in the springtime. So we need to wake up and get with, you know, the 21st century, (laughs) those archaic ideas of showing off how, you know, pristine and green your lawn is. Few dandelions don't hurt. They aerate the soil. The pesticides do hurt. Yeah. Well, one of the things I've been doing here at the lawn at the urban farm is I'm actually purposely planting all kinds of different herbs and weeds in the lawn so that when I do mow it occasionally, those clippings go to the chickens and they get a more diverse diet that way. That's great. And, you know, there are things you could plant like um, white clover Yes, um, could be mowed and yet the flowers are very short and that could provide... Um, habitat for the bees. So white clover, you could also think about planting things like thyme or violets. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, start thinking about what could you plant as an alternative to grass. And maybe you still want a grassy area. Another thing we could do for the environment is to use what non-electric mowers or or uh, non-gas mowers. Yep. You know, and they're a lot quieter Mm -hmm. and they're not polluting because mowers create a lot of pollution they're not filtered and mowing your lawn can create as much pollution as driving over 150 miles wow yeah well so get rid of your lawn first and if you can't start shifting it out (laughs) and if you go online i have an article that was on huffington post called get off your grass and create an edible lawn and i love the idea that i can have fresh food and we love to eat wild food yeah we do it all the time, yeah. and we try to turn everybody onto it. So educate your community. And, you know, the best way to learn a subject well is to offer to teach a class on it. Oh, exactly. That's why I teach. Bless you. <laughs> That's Thank why you. I teach. So one uh, a real quick story. So the it's a long story why I have a lawn, and if I could get, a, get away with doing away with my lawn, I would do it. It would just be too, way too much work. I live in a place where there's flood irrigation, so I get I get up six inches of water in my yard 20 times a year. And so it's not really easy to get rid of the lawn. But one of the things okay. that I noticed is my neighbor has uh, the white clovers growing in his front yard. And he's got nice. all kinds of, doesn't even know what it is. And so what I do there periodically is I'll go early in the morning before anybody gets up in the neighborhood and I harvest the, the, the flowers, the seeds from it. And I've been spreading those in my yard. That's wonderful. And I, you know, I live in a downtown condo association. One solution for the people who do want to have 
you know, unmatured lawn because they want to play frisbee or something on the yard. But, you know, you can mow the other things. But, uh-huh. yes, I love white clover. That's a great suggestion. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Brigitte. Thank you, Greg. It's been a pleasure. I'm honored. Once again, Brigitte was on episode 261, so you can get all of her great answers to our standard questions then. But today we were talking about her her app called iPlant. So uh, you can find it in the App Store, right, Brigitte? Yes. If you go to iPhone, just Google I, like the letter I, Mm -hmm. Plant Mars. And, you know, I think it's $299. Oh, perfect. Um, and I, I want to say one last thing, too. Uh-huh, Another please. advantage of iPlant is let's say you're at the health food store and you're looking for uh, a product, maybe for a cold or a bladder infection, yep. and there's all these herbs in there. You can pull iPlant out of your purse and your phone mm-hmm. and then look up, like, well, what is the corn soak for? What is marshmallow root for? Mm. Is it safe? Is it, uh, you know, what's the little bit of the history of this plant? So that's another advantage, because I think a lot of people are buying herb formulas that they need more information before they start taking them three times a day. Perfect. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Well, once again, thank you. And you can find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash iPlant. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Greg Peterson here, and welcome to the 271st episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where three days a week we work together educating and inspiring you to become part of your food revolution. Raising farm animals in your backyard is not just rewarding, it's actually easier than you think, especially if you have Kari Spencer to help you get prepared. Just text CHICKENS to 33444 or visit BackyardFarmAnimals.com to receive our free webinar on how to grow chickens, goats, and more, promote biodiversity, and put your backyard animals to work. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free.